color of leadership. A seat at the table. Join Dr. Anthony Rice and his more than 20 years of education. Let's talk. Now. This is The Color of Leadership. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'd like to welcome our audience to another amazing episode of The Color of Leadership. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Rice, here with my co-host, Dr. Angelique Butler. How you doing, Dr. Butler? Everything good? I'm doing wonderful, Dr. Rice. It's a wonderful day, wonderful weekend. Got yeah, an yeah. extra day. I'm feeling energized and ready to go. All right. So, you know, the, the book just dropped. The book just dropped. So, Dr. Birdie, I mean, when we started having this conversation, we'll talk about it. My book just dropped on Amazon today, and it's called The Color of Leadership. Uh, but that was just, let's talk about some housekeeping items. For anyone new to our audience, this platform has been created so that we have an opportunity to establish critical conversations around the table with extraordinary guests whom are either roles of either superintendents, directors, site administrators, teachers, mentors in their own right. Uh, the goal of this platform will be to exclusively share their own experience personal journeys with our audience as they navigate the educational and professional system as an educational leader. Tonight, we have us with, with us an extraordinary leader. He comes with us with a wealth of educational leadership experience. We are so happy to have this quality leader on our podcast as he can share his own journey with our audience. He has taken on the responsibility of leading one of the largest districts in Southern California. We are proud to have with us the, the interim superintendent of a Moreno Valley Unified School District. Let's give a warm welcome to Dr. Robert Verde. Thank you for sharing your time with our audience, Dr. Verde. Oh, it's my privilege. Thanks for inviting me, Dr. Rice, Dr. Butler. I, uh, I've been just getting into the podcast and starting to follow it and Appreciate you folks getting people to come on and just share some insights. It's helpful for all of us, I think. And congratulations on the book, Dr. Rice. Oh, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And it, it was, you know, thanks to Dr. Butler. Me and Dr. Butler, we, um, we've gone through the Cal Poly Pomona program, doctorate program together. And so after, you know, we graduated, I kind of figured, like, what am I going to do with this, with this doctorate? You know, because I know a lot of people have it just to say, okay, we, we're a doctor in education. But for me... I was talking to Dr. Butler um, probably right after we graduated, and I said, you know what? I'm going to turn this into a podcast. And then right after that, she was like, turn it into a podcast. I said, yes. And then I said, <laughs> then I'm going to write a book. <laughs> so the book is out, Dr. Verde. It's on Amazon. I know when you're, when you're done and you got some time, please order it. Um, you know, on the 20, I want to say March 22nd, I'll be at Pomona Unified. Um, talking to um, some of the African-American students there, BSU students there, to kind of share my experience about the book. I grew up in Pomona, so it's a great opportunity for me to come back and share my experience with um, the, the place where I grew up and the people that, you know, I hold so dear to my heart, which is in Pomona Unified. So Absolutely. I just wanted to share. So let's kick this off, Dr. Verde. Let's kick this off. And, I'm, you know, I know you uh, have a lot of intel for us. So at the same time, kind of talk to us about what are some of your personal and professional milestones you had to reach to become the interim superintendent? That's, that's a great question, Anthony. You know, I think about it all, for me, it really all began, uh, let's go all the way back from a personal perspective first, if I, if I may. Education was really something that was ingrained in me from a young age. 
So um, first one in my family to graduate from college. My folks did not. My, my grandparents did not. Great-grandparents were new to the country, all those things. So you kind of have that sort of immigrant story a little bit. So when education was emphasized so much in the home as a means of making something of yourself and, and getting further ahead, that was, um, that was a big driving force to be that first kid that graduated. So that turned into a love for education. And I was really inspired by many educators, many coaches that I had coming up as a, as a young man and ended up being a high school teacher for 10 years. And for me, Anthony, that's really the backbone of my experience that led me to my, my current role. The time that I spent in the classroom is where it's all about. And so you think about the decisions that you make in the classroom on a daily basis and how those impact the lives of the students in front of you. And now we're in leadership roles, you and I, you as a principal, me and my role, and every decision begins and ends with the students. So along the way, I, I served in other capacities. I was a high school principal. Um, I, I served as a, a director. I, I actually went the human resources route. So I kind of veered away from the curriculum side of the house for a little while and served as a, an HR assistant superintendent for the, for the last 11 years. And that was a great experience in that it really helped to broaden my horizons and really remind me about the, the people side of things because we are in the people business and we rely so much upon our colleagues. And, and the other thing too is I really learned during my time as a principal and in human resources that it's our responsibility to help those around us too, to pay it forward. Those are the things that came to mind. You mentioned, you know, going as a high school teacher, right? Then um, a high school principal, and then moving on to um, director and getting into the human side of it. My assumption would be, and, and maybe not, you know, we all, sometimes we have some hiccups along the way, sometimes some barriers or some challenges. Um, have you, if you, if you have, you can share them because what we really want is we want to, we want to let our audience know that there, there may be some barriers and challenges around, you know, along the way. And so, you know, how, if, if that happened, you know, what happened, what kind of things and how to persevere? Thanks, Dr. Butler. Um, I know everybody has their story, you know, everyone has their challenges and things that they, they go through. Um, you know, for me, I think, it's it's funny when I when I first became a teacher, my first assignment was actually at my my alma mater, and um, <laughs> you you kind of end up proving yourself all over again with some of the folks that used to be your teachers and mentors, but they still look at you like a kid. So there was there was a little bit of that right. for sure. I think you know going into the high school principalship, I I um was put in a challenging situation, kind, kind of put in a situation where I had to kind of calm the waters after a couple of different principals had come and gone. And I know some folks mm -hmm. wondered if my, my personality uh, would, would be able to handle that. And, and by that, I mean, you know, there's, everyone has preconceived notions about people. I think folks may have per perceived me to be kind of laid back, you know, still waters kind of thing. But I think in, in moments like that, when you're trying to instill some confidence in leadership, it's good to be that calm person in the room. And so I had that experience as a high school principal. And, you know, it's interesting. 
switching over to human resources at the time that I was coming up, there was a trend in education that a lot of superintendents had been promoting from the assistant superintendent of human resources role to that to that final seat, the superintendency. And some of my mentors coming up had encouraged me maybe veer away from the curriculum side and go into HR. And um, over the last 10 years, I would say that trend had shifted. So I, I never forgot, though, what I had learned as a high school principal. And so I think, you know, trying to reestablish my leadership in this role and that I, I, I am a little bit more well-rounded, you have these opportunities to to kind of shine. But it's just interesting in my leadership journey, getting back to your original question, Dr. Butler, sometimes it, it hasn't always been the smoothest of transitions that I've been a part of, but I think that's made me a stronger leader. Mm -hmm. In fact, the fact that, you know, I, I can handle those kinds of things and hopefully bring a, um, a sense of confidence back to the folks that, that I'm helping to lead. Dr. Verdi, I have a question for you. So, um, you've talked about your role as um, a high school teacher, then moving into the role of the principal and on to director of human resources. Um, and then, of course, now your, your, your current role as interim superintendent, which is, by the way, congrats on your upward from mobility. But another part of that is any challenges or barriers. You know, we oftentimes have them right as we move up um, the professional ladder. And so the question is, have you had any barriers or challenges? And if so, what they, what are they, you know, we want to talk to our listeners about um, some of it is just going to be the obvious, right. As we move up, but how did you navigate those? If you had any challenges or barriers? Thank you, Dr. Butler. For a couple, a couple of things that, that come to mind, actually, when it comes to barriers, challenges that, that I think of uh, one it's it's that irony that we we live with in in education, and that the, the further we go up the the ladder, so to speak, the further away we get from the classroom, and that's that that's a challenge. And I would actually kind of give that challenge to all the educators tuning into the podcast, and that if you do aspire to be in these roles of leadership, don't ever forget where you came from. It should should begin and end with that classroom environment, and. Like I said previously, every decision that that we make impacts students, and that starts in the classroom, and that goes right up to the superintendency. So you have to keep that leadership perspective in your heart because it does get challenging further on up you go. For me personally, uh, when I took over the principalship, I came in in a, in a challenging time where I was following up a couple of different leaders that had come and gone. And so I was there to try and maybe reestablish a little bit of consistency and confidence back in the leadership. And that was a challenge. It wasn't the smoothest of, of transitions, of, of the baton being passed. A lot of times, some, sometimes folks are blessed when they promote, they, they kind of walk into a pretty stable situation. And I was put in a situation where it was my, my job really to kind of calm the waters. And like I said, reinstill that confidence from the folks that, that reported to me, but also from the community. But what a great life lesson. That was really valuable to me to be able to kind of be in that boat, help reinstill that confidence and, and help that school kind of get back on track. So that was, that was a, a challenge personally that I, that I faced kind of coming up through the ranks. Um, but I, I, the, the main thing for me is the, the challenge that there's going to be so many different 
elements that that push and pull on you as a principal, not so much as a director per se, but definitely as an assistant superintendent and a right. superintendent. And you have to keep it about the students. There, there, there will be there will be forces Absolutely. that will try to make it about other things, and it should never be about other things. Absolutely, and I I think that that as you mentioned, just all about the students that. I don't think anyone um, can criticize or deny that if you keep it that way, right? Um, because there's going to be, as you say, all kind of forces that pull, and some of them may be political. Um, but you know, we're there. We're all there for one thing, right? The students, and so that that's a, that's a great way to um, go about every role, right? I, I don't know. I, I'm just kind of curious. You said kind of. Um, what did you say? Smooth the waters. What kinds of things did you do? I'm just curious because that's a that's a that's a that's a hard role, you know, to step into. Doctor Bernie has a great temperament, and I and I say that and I say that wholeheartedly because, um, you know, when you when you're working with individuals who have sat in the seat that you're sitting in, and you work in, and they have that experience, it's a little different when you're following someone who's already done that that type of work, right? And so I'll let him answer the question in terms of the questions you asked, but I, I just from my own experience and just being able to, my personal experience and being able to work with him personally, the temperament that he has in terms of leader is very calming, right? It's very calming because it gives you the confidence to really be able to really do the work that you're you're, you're trying to do on your school campuses. And I think I can say that for a lot of the leaders that we work with as of now, um, he, he's a very affectious person, very, um, but that temperament, and I tell you, you need it in order to be in the seats that he has sat in. But I'll let you explain that, Dr. Birdie. Well, th thanks, Dr. Rice. I appreciate that's a nice, That's a nice vote of confidence. Thanks, Dr. Rice. So to answer your question, Dr. Butler, when I took over the principalship in that role, um, calming the waters there there was a lack of confidence in the leadership of that time because a couple of my predecessors had come and gone and did not connect with the staff or the community and the staff felt at that time micromanaged belittled um, not valued as professionals and the community felt like they didn't have a true partnership with the high school and I set out to really open the, the communication doors, to be more transparent, to invite families in, to be our partners. And honestly, with, with the teachers at the site, and at that time, we had, we had a big campus. It was 3,200 students. And, um, you know, you, you really want the teachers to feel valued, the classified staff to feel valued and empowered to do their job. Uh, just, just like I wanted the folks at the district office to feel that, hey, Rob can do it. He's got the skill set. We're going to give him some guidance, but we know that he's going to be the captain of that ship. He's going to be able to handle it. And so I wanted to, to pass that along to, to the staff. And so it's one of these things where it's not a laissez-faire type form of leadership where you're hands-off. I'm definitely a hands-on leader, but I think you set the expectation and then you you empower people by, for for example, if, if there's if there's a um, a question of policy, 
and you 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 pick and choose the times you're going to follow that policy and it's it's not logical your staff is going to question that but if you support them then they'll feel a little bit more confidence in your leadership and empowered to do the things that they need to do i felt like um the teachers needed to know that it was my number one job as a principal at that time to make sure they had the tools they needed to make our students successful uh, i think they felt at times that Others had worked against them to, to that point, a, a, couple, a couple of my predecessors, not all of them. So anyway, I felt like it was really my job to reinstill that community confidence and that confidence from the teachers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you, and you talk about, um, and I'll let Dr. Rice, you know, jump in on the next question, but, you know, uh, micromanage and belittle. You know, I, I heard you say that. And so, you know, sometimes as leaders, um, especially when you're new, right? You get in and you think that, you know, of course, we're, you know, we're looking, looking for the leaders to lead, but leadership is not sometimes about managing people more as it more so than is just like you just mentioned, empowering people to do the job that they know how to do and not being late. Like you said, not, not hands off and, you know, letting, letting, you know, things just kind of run on their own, but um, soliciting the advice um, soliciting their input. And I think sometimes we get a little nervous about if I do this, then it's going to look like I'm not running my school. And it's the absolute opposite. Your school's going to run if you allow it to right. run in the, and put it in the hands of people who know, you know, the kids in their classrooms, the students in their classrooms. So, That's mean, right. It was, great, it was, great it, it was a professional, I would call it a professional dialogue where, you know, you would mm-hmm. you would have these professional conversations with, let's just say, the department chairs at, at a high school. And, you know, sometimes a department chair mm-hmm. might take on almost a, a, a collegiate type atmosphere. You know, the, the, some of them believe like they're they kind of have a professorial type approach to their subject area. And so they want they right. want that respect. But at the same time, you, you also are reminding them, hey, we're working with high school kids and there's a there's a, there's a certain right. approach we're going to take. And I, I think once folks, again, realize that it's a student-first approach, then they're going to be willing to even take direction from you as well. So you empower them, you learn, you learn from them, you give them feedback, and at the same time, you start to make those adjustments in, in the day-to-day that are going to impact students. And they, they will slowly buy into your, your plan. They'll get on board with it. But it does take, I think, building trust. And knowing that, hey, Absolutely. hey, he really is all about students. So even if I disagree with some some mm-hmm. of the philosophies, maybe mm-hmm. I, I know he's still keeping kids' best interests at heart. And you, mm-hmm. you, you find that path forward. Absolutely. So, Dr. Berta, you are, you are an HR guy. And so, um, you know, for me, and, and even with my book, you know, it, it is the underrepresentation of African-American males. And I don't see a lot of in males in leadership, right? And so because you are a HR guy, what advice do you have for individuals of color who desire to advance in educational leadership? That's a great question. You know, the the first thing I would say is, Anthony, for folks that are in roles of leadership, um, they need to be the courageous ones and, and, and remind folks that what, what just what you said, Anthony, is so important. It's so vital. Um, you know, many times 
we'll hear about how important it is for the students to see a teacher in the room that kind of reflects who they are and they can relate to that person. And it's also important, I think, to have that diverse group of leaders to remind people of that. So, I mean, the the advice, I, I first thing is, I think it's so important for us to have mentors, Anthony. And so if you're an individual of color and you know that there's advocates in your district that want to empower that type of leadership that want to see folks in those types of positions so they can have a positive impact on a greater amount of students and on a greater amount of, of employees kind of connect with that person. You have to connect with that person and learn from that person and pick their brain. And, you know, the, the mentoring and that, that whole thing I said in my first response about paying things forward, that's so important in education. I've had some great mentors in my career, for sure. Uh, still folks that I call to this very day for advice. And so, you know, from the HR perspective, I just think it takes some courageous conversations sometimes and not being afraid to address the needs of a district, the needs to have that diverse thought, that the diverse voices, and to really make sure that folks are represented at the leadership level. And, and again, I know just from my own experience that there are folks like that in districts all over the place. Now, whether or not the the atmosphere that they're working in kind of lends itself to those conversations is a whole different topic. You know, um, it depends on on that. But that's where the courage part comes in. That's that's where you have to connect with those mentors and really, really make make that a priority. And that's the other piece. I really do feel this way, Anthony. If, if a district makes finding diverse leadership or in, to get specific about, you know, your, your question, African-American males that can serve in educational leadership roles, if that is truly going to be a priority based on the, the needs of the district or just for the simple, again, diversity of thought and background and experience, then it, it, can, it can be done. It can be done. Sometimes it has to be a change in... The board level, sometimes it has to be a change in the superintendent yes. level, but I think that is a priority that, that any district can take on. And again, it just takes some, some courageous voices to come forward. And then those mentors, as I said, to help folks navigate that. Um, I, th- right. I think that's, that's important. Absolutely. And it's definitely courageous because um, oftentimes you know, we get, we get, uh, as people, we get um, kind of caught, caught up in, um, we always use what what's fair, right? Well, that's not fair. And sometimes we have to just um, take a step back and look at the needs, right? The needs. I mean, if, if we just look at most of, we can do this in a lot of districts. We look at the data, we find out who is most likely to be placed in special education or who is most likely to, to, to be suspended. If we look at some of that data, it'll scream loud and clear, you know, about who some of the needs of our of a particular district, right? I mentioned the two that are probably across the board in most districts, right? And so, you know, we can look at we can definitely drive our conversations with data. Um, I think, you know, in order to uh, satisfy the needs, but you know, and 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 maybe this is too for Dr. Rice, kind of all of us dialoguing here. You know, when you're when you're younger, um, and I'm assuming, you know, as an African American male, uh, Dr. Rice, 
what type of things attracted you? Because sometimes we have to ask them, you know, because we look at it, we don't, you know, as we know, oftentimes it's not, it's not the first selection of a job for, for, for a career as a young African-American male in particular. And so sometimes it is just that we've got to listen instead of telling, you know, telling or, you know, talking what types of things would attract, um, you know, a young African-American male into this profession if you have not been successful and particularly because we haven't been successful as some in that, in our, you know, in our, in our younger years. So just kind of something to think about. I don't know, Dr. Rice, if you, if you've ever thought about that and, you know. Yeah, I have. It's and um, it's, it's, it's interesting because again, I never wanted to be an education and Dr. Verdi probably don't even know this. I wanted to be a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> so, but when I went to the yeah, I went, when I went to the University of Laverne, um, you know, as I transitioned from Washington State to the University of Laverne, um, my football coach was like, "I think you should be a PE teacher." And I was like, "A PE teacher?" He's like, "Yeah, a PE teacher. You're never gonna have to. You'll be outside all day. Um, you're not gonna have to grade any papers, and you could just build relationships and and just have fun and play with the kids all day." And and I was like, "Really?" And so. It was more to it. I mean, it wasn't just about playing and it's about building rapport and being a mentor. Like you said, Dr. Verdi, that was very, for me, that was the most important thing, which really, which, you know, kind of gave me that passion that I wanted in order to become an educator. And then, that, you know, at the same time, because we're all coaches, we've coached. And at the same time, um, I'm going to ask you a question after Dr. Uh, Dr. Butler asked you this question, because we're all coaches. And at the same time, as coaches, we always want the best. And so I'll let um, Dr. Butler ask her first question, and then I'll come back with my 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 next question. Well, I guess I guess it just what advice? I mean, you're 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 like as Dr. Rice said, you're you've been in HR uh, before you became interim superintendent for what you, I think you said eleven years. What advice do you have for other districts that are looking at attracting and hiring more uh, underrepresented? Uh, people um, or men of color or women uh, to districts? Well, again, I think it starts with don't be afraid to have those courageous conversations. Mm -hmm. And even if it is in the form of a training, Dr. Butler, for example, you get you, you gather you gather your administrators in or maybe you gather a group of veteran teachers in and they're they're veteran teachers that have been in the district for a while and they're minority teachers, let's say. And you, you talk to them about trying to identify in others some of those leadership traits, those mentoring traits. How do others connect with students? So Dr. Rice's story is a perfect case in point. Somebody tapped him on the shoulder and noticed that he had a good rapport with students. You'd be a great teacher. And, and he was off and running. And there's, there's nothing wrong with with any mentor, mentor, mentors can come in all shapes and sizes. And I've had a few different ones all in my career, but you just, I think again, if you make it a priority, Dr. Butler, and you have those conversations about let's go out and recruit, let's go out and recruit. And there's, there's a difference. Like, you know, we've HR we've done, our district has recruited in all kinds of universities. We've, you know, historically our district's even gone to the historical black colleges and done recruiting there years ago. I mean, there's, there's, there's those avenues that any district can explore to recruit teachers. It starts really at the teacher level, I believe. 
And then from there, you, you groom your leaders and you start tapping them on the shoulder and saying, you need to be an assistant principal. I can see you being a principal with us someday and encouraging them. But let's, let's take it another way as well. In, the, in whatever district you're in currently, without having to go out and do that type of major recruiting per se, maybe you're in a small district. You know, we're in a, in a fairly large district and we have to recruit pretty heavily, but maybe you don't have those kinds of vacancies year in and year out. Take a look at the demographics of your workforce right now and start looking at the areas that maybe need to be, you know, addressed and looked at, put under the microscope. How are we doing in these areas? And then start to identify those folks that you'd like to see go into a credentialing program, an administrative credentialing program. I just think it, it... you know, wishing it happens, really hoping that we get good candidates of color. I really hope when I turn on EdJoin tonight and I look at this this group of applicants that there's some good applicants of that. That's not going to get us anywhere. You've got to talk about it, and it has to be a purposeful approach. And again, it can be traditional, going out and recruiting, like I said, or just in your own backyard having those conversations with your workforce and saying, "All right, how 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 can we do this? How can we encourage folks to to?" jump into teaching ranks or jump into leadership roles. Uh, one thing that we had done a couple years back in, in, in Moreno Valley in our current district is we had a kind of like a, a, a pipeline, a teacher pipeline for kids that were interested in, in going into education as a possible career. Because as you said, Dr. Butler, for, for many of us, it, education was almost like it wasn't on, on my radar at all. You know, I didn't know that Dr. Rice wanted to be a dentist. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I was thinking about being a journalist when I was an undergrad. So, you know, there, there is just you just never know when it's going to 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 tap you on the shoulder. But trying to get to students in high school and saying this is a viable career and encouraging them. All of those things, I think, will will hopefully lead to having that diverse workforce, as you were saying. Yeah, it's great. And, and it's just great to grow from within. Right. Um, who Who would know best? the experiences of the students that you would be dealing with other than the students themselves, right? As you become a teacher or an assistant principal. And it's really cool, like Dr. Rice mentioned, going back home and being able to tell the students that are currently at the high school that he was at to say, I was once and lived in the same neighborhood as you. And now, you know, I'm able to X, Y, Z, I've got a doctorate. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, writing a book, those types of things, because oftentimes as students, we see people that have gone, uh, that are, you know, have, are in certain spots has been untouchable. Yeah. almost. Well, that's, that's that person. Yeah. They, they had, you know, that's that person or that's easy break or, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, but how cool is it just to say, I went here, I walked the halls. Um, I had the same experiences, sometimes same teachers, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I, it's a great, great way to look at it, to have that pipeline very young Absolutely. to uh, grow your own. Absolutely. Your own, and, right? and sometimes students will only see the next hurdle in, in front of them. So when you have somebody that actually came up the same way they did, just as you're describing, Dr. Butler, it removes a lot of those hurdles right away. Like, oh, wait a minute. This person went here, graduated from here, accomplished all these things. Maybe I can do it after all. What's my excuse now kind of thing? Absolutely. So, so Dr. Verdi, quick, i got a question for you. <clears throat> in, in any professional setting, whether it be sports, business, or education, I mean, we're always looking for 
the best the best candidates, right? Regardless, I mean, I, I know you're competitive. I'm competitive, and we always want to be work. We always want to work with those individuals that that are proficient and know what they're doing. So, what what qualities or characteristics do you personally look for in the hiring process? There are some things, Dr. Rice, that are hard to to glean from an interview. So, I would say. And I don't know if folks realize this as much as they should, and maybe they do, but man, you learn a lot from reference checks. You really do. Yeah, And you know why I bring up the reference checks, why that pops into my mind immediately? And I'm thinking specifically, again, for leadership positions, those folks looking to be APs or principals, any any leadership role in a district. Interviewing is an art form. And I and I realize that I've I've coached folks who might just kind of have that mental block about interviewing sometimes and you want to help them get through that because you know they have the talent, you know they have the leadership skills, but sometimes interviewing is hard. And that that is a skill. Interviewing is a skill, but you you, you cannot teach people to have a heart for students. But you know what? You really hear about somebody's heart when you when you call references. And Here's a newsflash for folks that may or may not realize this, but, you know, districts are calling more than just those two references you put on your EdJoin application. We're digging deeper than that. We're, we're calling some other folks that you work with to kind of find out if you have the qualities that we want in our district. So really, you know, if, if, we, if we call a couple of folks and we get some good feedback in terms of their, their demeanor, their communication skills, but most importantly, they really want to see every student in their classroom succeed or every student on their campus succeed. That says a lot. That really says a lot. So those references are, are huge. And again, it's those references sometimes that you're, you're, you were like, really? They called who? Because that's what a good HR team will do. They'll call your immediate supervisor, but they might call somebody at the district office too, or they might call somebody that, worked at your site that no longer works there, but remembers you and you didn't, you didn't list them. But that to me is, is critical. It's critical. That's where you really at the end can tell if someone's going to bring that heart for students. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I think about it and I think I was, I don't know if I was talking to Dr. Rice. I don't think I, I don't think I said it to him, but I, I don't know. Maybe it was just a thought. I'm like, gosh, interviewing. I'd rather have a root canal rather than interview. I, I just, it, it, you know, the nerves come, you want to, you got what, 20 minutes, a lot of times, right. To make the right impression. And, you know, that is not the end all be all, you know, and I've, I've talked to colleagues because I've sat on many panels myself as of late and, and it's, it, Oftentimes, and, uh, you know, if we're, if we're growing from within, there are people that you know, right? There are people that you know that you're interviewing for the next level. And they don't interview well, but you know the, their, what they have done within the district. You know that, hey, this, you, could, you can easily say this person didn't interview well, but one thing I do know is I know their work ethic. I know, you know, their leadership, these things. And so you're right, you know, even if it's not someone you, even if it's someone you know, it's, it's, you're as good as that last job that you had, right? That last leadership role that you had or whatever. So, uh, yeah, this is interesting. You know, um, if people go directly to the, to the interview, um, and not look beyond that, that's probably, uh, a better way to look at it. You know, go beyond the interview. The only, the only other thing I would add Dr. Rice too, and, and, and Dr. Butler made me think about it. 
when we're talking about, for lack of a better term, the coachability of someone and being a former coach myself, you know, I always wanted to know that I could work with this athlete and he's going to listen. That was almost more important to me than just raw athletic talent. The same applies to educators, you know, especially in those, those, um, early leadership roles, Dr. Butler, where they're just starting out as an assistant principal, maybe, and you want to, you want to be able to mold them and develop them as leaders. You're, you're hoping that they're going to be open to that. And again, that's something that really can be revealed in, in your references and in your, in your background check for folks. You can tell if someone's going to be open yeah. to that kind of coaching. Absolutely. Absolutely. Coach, coachability is real important. I think, I think that's a, Definitely a head a head coach way of looking at things and your role you are you are the head coach. So lastly, um, yeah, we want to ask want to ask um, any initiatives that you like to share that uh, Moreno Valley as one of the largest districts uh, within the state, definitely the county. What what are you what is going on and what is what is in progress that you'd like to share that, that you know any initiative that Moreno, Moreno Valley is. Uh, Sure, ab- absolutely. There, there's one that that we're working on that that actually was uh, kind of started at Dr. Rice's school, kind of kind of a, a brainchild of his in a way, trying to bring the alternative education experience to the comprehensive site. And so we're looking at some ways to offer a variety of different classes for students that maybe in their their first couple of years, Dr. Butler, you know, freshman sophomore year, they may have been. Um, a good candidate for an alternative education setting. And as you, as you well know, sometimes once those kids go to that setting, it's hard to get them back at the comprehensive site. And we, we want to build some different types of opportunities for our 11th and 12th graders that, that need that alternative ed approach. But those 9th and 10th graders, maybe trying to keep them at the comprehensive site a little bit longer so that they have that experience and kind of get into the culture of the school while at the same time have an opportunity to, to make some headway with their units and not fall too far behind. So we're looking at that. And then something that's been going on over the last two years that, that we're proud of is our African-American student initiative and our recent graduation rates came out and our African-American student group was the highest graduation rate of all of our student groups. So again, going back to what we were talking earlier about, Dr. Butler, those courageous conversations when it came to hiring practices. Well, you and I know that those courageous conversations when it comes to student achievement are just as critical. And that's been happening in our district. And and those are things that are are ongoing and will continue to happen in, in both of those areas. But we're we're proud of those initiatives for sure. Absolutely. And you know, you mentioned your ninth and 10th graders. I mean, not that, you know, our 11th and 12th graders, you know, um, that's one thing, but when we look at our ninth grade, uh, I don't care what district you're talking about that, that transition, right. From eighth to ninth, it just, it really, really just, it kills it. You know, you see the ninth grade, you know, your math one scores, these, these, you know, you know, they, they're down 10 credits, 20 credits, sometimes freshman year, freshman year because that transition not understanding that credits matter you know what i mean once you've gone from eight because you know we're, we're let's just be real you're going to go to high school you're going to you're going to proceed whether you did really rotten in eighth grade or you were you know 
whatever, you're just, you're going to move forward. So you're going to move forward. You're going to move forward. And you don't, sometimes you don't have, you don't have the tools or even the understanding of the way high school works or, or this, or we were talking about the social emotional aspect of it, but you know, you're getting down already 10, 20 credits, you know, in high school in ninth grade. And we don't have sometimes things to allow students to catch up. You know, I mean, you think about it, summer school goes real fast, really fast, right? And you're, you know, and I'm speaking from the the, the lens of a counselor because I was a counselor before, uh, after a teacher. And it just, trying to help kids get back on schedule is just, it's, it's, it's we just, our, our schools just aren't set up that way. So uh, that initiative of having kind of that alternative setting on a high school, so they're not, as I'm saying, going to alternative and then getting I, I won't say caught for some students, you know, might they may go ahead and proceed and, and get their, their diplomas there. But students that want to go back and be a part of the comprehensive high school setting where there are sports, where there are things that they don't get at the alternative um, is real important. And we catch them early so that they can transition back. So um, that's that's um, that's that's real impressive that uh, Marina Valley is looking into something like that. Dr. Verde, real quick. So, because when I was reading this reading this morning, I had I read a quote that had me thinking about you. And so I just, as I read this to you, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of convenience and comfort, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. So I say that because you're doing an excellent job at what you're doing right now, because I know that transition um, wasn't easy, but you're leading us and you're doing an excellent job leading us. I wanted to end on that, but at the same time, I wanna give you an opportunity to shout out anyone that you might wanna shout out. I know you are you have amazing boys that play baseball. I know you're a sports guy. I know you're a Rams guy, but this is an opportunity for you to just really, um, just shout out whoever, whomever you wanna shout out. Um, you know, because our listeners really do have an opportunity to listen to you, not just as the interim superintendent, but as a, a human and as a, as a man. And so that that quote resonated with me as I was reading before I was before we were getting ready to get on this podcast. And I wanted to uh, share that with you. Well, hey, Dr. Rice, thanks so much. You know, and c- coming from you, that means a lot. I know what kind of educator you are, what kind of dad you are. So I, I just, I really appreciate that. I, 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 I truly do. That's, that's really nice. I honestly look at this as just a, a privilege. It's a privilege to serve in this role, regardless of the circumstances. I know you kind of alluded to them, you know, and, and I, I appreciate that, but it really is just, it's just a privilege to be able to do it. And, um, you know, uh, like a lot of educators with families, you think about what you'd want for your own kids. And you, you talked about my four kids and, I've got three of them in high school right now and one in middle school, and they definitely inspire me every day. And you got your hands. Oh, you know, yeah, absolutely. But it's fun. You know, like, like Dr. Rice was saying, mm-hmm. my kids are all active and our daughters in dance and I, I've got boys in sports and but um, they're thriving. And a big reason why they're all doing well is because they've got some good educators around them, too. So. That's what I want for the students in our district, Anthony, to to thrive and feel like they're supported and they have those good role models and they have an opportunity to have some doors open in the future. And but yeah, my my biggest shout out really is going to be to the Moreno Valley team uh, because it, yeah, it's been 
not the the easiest of transitions as you alluded to but wow we've got a lot of great educators that care about students in our district and they inspire me as well so you know my family and my colleagues and everything else kind of you know we just keep going forward so you definitely sound like well thanks you definitely sound like that that you love what you do um, and we and that comes through. So, you know, it's good to hear. And then and I'm sure your children are very proud of that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, they um, I, I, I they, they tune into our board meetings sometimes, Dr. Butler. So, look, and then they get they, they, they actually will listen to a yeah, board meeting. Can you believe yeah. that? Yeah, they um, that, they've, they've, they've never heard me talk so much at a board meeting before. I think they're that, that'll wear off quick. That'll wear off quick. Yeah. Right, right, right. That's great. That's great. Well, well, I want, I want to ask Dr. Rice because uh, before we wrap up all the way, you got a book. Yeah. And your book is out. Yes. How can listeners get your book? Give them a little something so well, you know they know. All right. We're at the color leadership. Where where can we get it? What it's about? Well, it is on Amazon. It just dropped today on Amazon and I want to say it's $15.99 so it's on Amazon right now and so for all our listeners out there please if you have an opportunity to it's a great read it's a short read it's 141 pages Uh, just talks about my journey as an educator and as, as an athlete as a professional athlete as a parent and as a student who struggled within the educational system as a early adolescence. So it gives that get that experience because a lot of young men who look like me share that experience. And as we go through the educational system, it's, it's not as easy as we think until we get a mentor or someone who really cares about us, that's going to guide us and give us the direction we need. And so I thought it was important that I share my voice as I do this. But um, please, whoever is listening, please, it's on Amazon. It dropped today. And so before we leave out here, I just want to give a shout out to our listeners and I give a shout out to all those color of leadership. What was it? The, what does it call the, the, what's that girl who's with the, uh, what's her name? Influencer? I don't know. So we got some Swifties. Swifties. Yeah, so <laughs> I hope I have some Swifties oh, out Swifties. there, some Swifties, <laughs> some educators out there who want to read the book. So again, Thank you, Dr. Verdi, for coming out, giving your time and sharing your time with us on this Sunday uh, evening. And we are very blessed to have you. You enjoy your um, vacation tomorrow and we will I will see you on Tuesday. And again, to our audience, this is the color of leadership. Thank you for tuning in and we are out.